If you'd like to be seated, I'm going to ask John to come up and bring us our Bible reading for this morning. This morning's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting at verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you, unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. This is the word of the Lord. Brilliant. Thank you, John. Shall we pray? Father God, thank you that your Spirit is here and moving amongst us. Thank you that you have a word for each one of us here this morning. So I pray that through the words that I've prepared and the words that I speak, that your voice will be heard by those that are listening. Pray, Lord, too, that you would give us discernment to know what is for each one of us here today and that you would give us courage to step out in response to that. And in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So today we're carrying on our sermon series in looking at the person and work of the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does, the gifts that he brings uh, and how those gifts are to be used. You could say that kind of the three of the key chapters uh, in the New Testament and particularly in the Bible uh, that give us insight into understanding the nature and use of the gifts of the Spirit are 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. It comes as no surprise that 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And we've heard uh, Paul preaching a few weeks ago about the different kinds of gifts 
that the Spirit gives. In chapter 13, it's that great chapter that talks about what love is. Uh, and then in chapter 14, there are a series of what look like uh, Paul giving teaching and input directly to the Corinthian church about probably the misuse of gifts. So that is a summary of, of 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. And if you were kind of wanting five sentences to sum up um, the nature of gifts, it would be these. Spiritual gifts are given by the Lord as he chooses. There, there are different complementary gifts, but one spirit. And the gifts are for the building up for the edification of the body of Christ, that is, the church. And all gifts are to be exercised in love. But today we heard Paul talking to the Corinthian church about tongues, prophecy and interpretation. And the great uh, biblical scholar, Gordon Fee, refers to these three giftings in a group and he calls them inspired utterance. I love that, inspired utterance. And so today, this morning, I'm going to help us to try and understand a little bit more about tongues, prophecy and interpretation. I, I mean, I could probably deliver, deliver a sermon on each one of those, but I'm going to try and cover all of them, uh, I hope roughly succinctly, this morning. But I wanted to begin by asking you to cast your mind back, you won't be able to, but in history to the year 1900. It was the year of the Paris World Fair and a German chocolatier was going to the Paris World Fair to share, uh, to sell Hildebrand uh, confectionery, a famous German confectioner. And they had the, dreamed up this in, inventive idea as a marketing campaign and they were encouraging people to think, what would Germany look like in the year 2000? And then they designed a series of postcards with a picture of what part of that projecting forward, what Germany would look like in the year 2000. And they put them, one of them, into every box of chocolates that they made. Can you guess what were on some of those 12 postcards? Probably not. So let me just share with you. Here's one of the things, and this was dreamt up in the year 1900. Movable pavements. Live audio-visual broadcast of a theatre performance. Sounds a lot like TV to me. Um, personal airships our own personal method of transportation, cars, perhaps even our own personal planes. We know that there are quite a few people who have them. One of their uh, ideas was tourism to the North Pole. Don't think that's quite taken off yet. But get this, here is one of them. Tourist submarines. Interesting, isn't it? Given all that's been going on in our news in the last few weeks. So these ideas, were they imaginative, creative, or indeed prophetic? 
It does seem that our culture has a fascination with being able to try and predict what is going to happen, what will be around the corner. Horoscopes. Some of you may well even remember Mystic Meg appearing on our TV screens in the 90s, trying to predict what uh, lottery numbers were going to pop up. But I don't think that our fascination with trying to anticipate what's going to happen next has changed all that much. Did you know that the Intel company that produces microchips employs someone as a futurist? They're a professor in America, and their job is simply to imagine what life will be like in 15 years' time in order that they can figure out what are the needs that's very clever. You're just showing off. <coughs> I haven't made these. He's just found these on the internet. You're distracting me, Dave. <laughs> so in, Intel employed this professor to dream up what life will, imagine what life will be like in 10 or 15 years' time in order that Intel can start figuring out how to plan, make, and produce the microchips that we will need in 15 years' time in order to live life so that they can start designing them now. There's a fascination with the future and what the future holds. It's no wonder that Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about how they exercise this gift in 1 Corinthians 14. So today we're thinking about tongues, prophecy and interpretation. So there are just a few things I want us to note from those 12 verses but you could go and read on the rest of that chapter, verses 12 through to 25, and it talks more about particularly uh, tongues and prophecy. But in that first 12 verses that we heard, Paul is urging the Corinthian church to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So he's writing to the Corinthian church and saying, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, long for them, crave them, ask God to pour out more of his spirit on you, to give you more of those gifts, and especially desire prophecy. I wonder, are we a people that eagerly desire more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Do we desire the gift of prophecy? Have we asked God for that gift? Then in verse 5 it says this, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy, because he who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets it so that the church may be edified. Do you see what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth? I would rather that you prophesy than you speak in tongues. He doesn't say you can't prophesy and you can't speak in tongues. You shouldn't prophesy and you shouldn't speak in tongues or prophecy in tongues is a load of rubbish. What he says is, I would rather that you prophesied than you spoke in tongues. And then he goes on to qualify why. And he says, because prophecy builds up and encourages and strengthens the body of Christ, whereas tongues doesn't. So I would rather that you all prophesied in order that you can all work together to build up, strengthen and encourage the body of Christ to be and to live out being the body of Christ that we're called to be. Paul is taking it for granted that speaking in tongues and prophecy is part of the church 
the body of Christ. It's part of our worship. Because chapter 14 is a set of instructions to the Corinthian church that were getting their, their patterns of worship all mixed up and skewed. So that's what he's seeking to address in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. But what I notice is that he is expecting, anticipating that people will speak in tongues and will prophesy. So what was going on in Corinth that was essentially the problem that Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians 14? Well, I think that in a nutshell, the problem was pride, selfishness, and man-centeredness. What was going on was that there was kind of chaos in their worship. There were people that were getting up and speaking in tongues in front of everyone, but it wasn't a sense of this person seeking to build up, edify, and strengthen the church. It was almost like, look at me. Look how special I am. I can speak in tongues. I've got this amazing gift, therefore I must be something special. Take notice. Look at me. It was all about self. It was about the ego. It was about saying, take notice of me. And do you notice what Paul said in the verse I just read out? The gifts were there in order to edify and build up the church. So I'd rather you prophesied, because that way people can understand what's being said, and so they can be strengthened and built up. But if they speak in tongues, they're not going to understand what you're saying. So what's the point in standing at the front of church? If I was to stand up here and speak Russian, how many of you here would be able to understand? One person. <laughs> I can't speak Russian, so I'm afraid that's not going to happen. But if I was to preach my sermon in Russian, there would only be one person here that would be able to understand it. How would that build up, strengthen and equip you to be the body of Christ? Well, quite clearly it wouldn't. So if I was to stand up here and speak in tongues, it wouldn't build you up and equip you and strengthen you. But if I was to prophesy, that would be different. So what was happening in the Corinthian church is that they were exercising these gifts, but it was all done in such a way as to make the person that was exercising them, the centre of attention, rather than point people to Jesus, or to strengthen the body of Christ to be the people that they were called to be. And so Paul is essentially writing to them with a, with a warning and with a sense of, these gifts are great. They're there, given by the Holy Spirit for a purpose, to build up, edify, strengthen and equip the church. You're using them in a way, I'm paraphrasing this, you're using them in a way that is not building up and strengthening and equipping the church. You're drawing attention to yourself and promoting self rather than Jesus, rather than pointing people uh, to Jesus and strengthening the church. So Paul recognises that there is a gift, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. He's urging that they be used in a way that is orderly in such a way that the church can be encouraged and built up, not so that everyone is just doing their thing, shouting out to draw attention and promote themselves. So what is this gift of tongues? Well, very simply, tongues is a prayer language that God understands. That's what I would say in a nutshell. It's a bit like uh, any other language but it's a language that's only understood by God himself in a way that only one person here can understand Russian. Uh, tongues is a language, a heavenly language, that God himself understands. I don't know if any of you here 
have ever got to the stage where you're praying for a person or a situation and you kind of hit a black a brick wall where you get to a point where you no longer have any words left to express how you're feeling. Maybe it's about the situation in Ukraine. Maybe it's a personal situation in your family where there is so much hurt and pain that you don't know what to do or what to pray or how God could change that situation. Or or you're so weighed down by a sense of despair and brokenness and emptiness that you don't know what words to express how you're feeling. It's like you've run out of language, but you want to say something. And lots of people that speak in tongues say that that when they pray in tongues, it's a way of trying to express something of the heart and the soul directly to God in a way that he understands, but that I don't have the words to be able to express. And it's a way of connecting with God at an emotional heart-soul level where our spirit connects with his, where we are able to then somehow give voice to what we're feeling inside that we no longer have the language to be able to articulate. Which is why Paul says that it only edifies the one that uses the gift of tongues because it's something between me and God and only that he understands. So it therefore doesn't build up and edify the church. But if tongues is to be used within a collective uh, worship space like this, then there needs to be an interpretation. So it might be that tongues are used in a prophetic kind of way, but that someone else would then have an interpretation that then builds up and edifies the church because it's then translated into a language that makes sense to us so that we can hear God's word and be encouraged and built up by it. The gift of tongues builds up the the, the one that speaks in tongues. But Paul, and this is why Paul really says to the Corinthian church, I'd love it that you all spoke in tongues, but I would rather that you all prophesy. Because when you prophesy, it's in a language that other people can understand and they can be built up and encouraged. And in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, we see that it says, but the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. And that's what prophecy is for, for the body of Christ. To be strengthened, built up, encouraged and comforted. That's why God has given the gift of prophecy to people. For the building up, for the edification of the church, the body of Christ. To be the people that God has made us and called us to be. So what is prophecy? Well, I think that there are very simply two types of prophecy. There's foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling and forthtelling. Quite different. Foretelling is something that seeks to predict the future, a bit like those postcards at the beginning, predicting what's going to happen just around the corner. Uh, Foretelling calls the the people of God to cooperate with God's uh, kind of holy intentions, with his plan through prayer, patience and faithful obedience. And I think we see this perfectly in the, uh, in the narrative of Jesus' birth. When the angel Gabriel turns up and speaks to uh, both Mary and to Joseph about what is to happen about the birth of Jesus. A foretelling of events that are yet to come. 
And the second is forth-telling. And I think that that applies very often to the present circumstances. And forth-telling generally calls God's people to repentance and draws them back to the covenant promise that God had made with his people. It calls them back to the nature of who God is and calls us back into relationship with our loving Father. And we see this time and again in the Old Testament with the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, and all the others. So often the people of God were living one way and they veered off the track and started doing their own thing, turning their back on God, going their own way. And the prophets came with a message from God to say, repent, come back to the Father, come back to God, to Yahweh. Turn your back on the way that you have been living, the idols you have been worshipping. Come back to the one true God and worship him. So foretelling and forthtelling. But in a nutshell, prophecy is simply to speak on behalf of God. And in Jeremiah 1.9 it says, Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. Jeremiah was given a message to give to the people that came from God. A call generally to call the people back into relationship with him. And in Hebrew, the word prophecy means simply to bubble forth like a fountain, to spring forth. It's almost like it's, it's uncontrollable, unstoppable. It, it's got to come out. In John 7, uh, verse 38 says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them, a bit like that bubbling forth. Prophecy is simply hearing God's voice and sharing that word with someone else. It's all about listening and obeying. And because it's all about listening to what God is saying, it's something that all of us can do, which is why Paul says to the Corinthian church, I wish that you all would prophesy. We all have the ability to be able to listen for God's voice and respond to it. You may remember a few weeks ago I was using that image of the bucket and the drain pipe. And as conduits of the Holy Spirit, we too are called to be a drain pipe, taking water from one place to another, allowing it to flow through us. As God speaks a word to us, so we're able to pass it on to someone else, to comfort, encourage, strengthen, to build them up. I remember when um, we were having our second child, Samuel, uh, and Julia was in labour. And at the time, she was obviously quite occupied and in quite a lot of pain at the time, uh, and was crushing my hand. But at one point, in the middle of all of this, uh, she, suddenly, she, she suddenly yelled out, the umbilical cord is round my son's neck, or around the child's neck. She didn't know it was a son at the time. It's round the, the child's neck. Uh, and the doctors that were there attending to her were all kind of quite surprised uh, and a bit bewildered by what she said. But they, they stopped to check, and sure enough, the umbilical cord was caught round his neck. Now, she would say that she believed that that's a word that God had spoken to her, a prophetic word that she then spoke out. It kind of bubbled forth in a, almost an unstoppable kind of way. So prophecy is hearing God speak 
and repeating what he says to the, the person that that message is, is for. We see Peter doing that on the day of Pentecost when God poured out his spirit on all people and he started quoting, interestingly enough, the prophet Joel and explaining to the people what was going on here using a prophecy from Joel in order that they could make sense of what was taking place right in front of them. We see throughout Acts the, the early church responding to prophetic words that were given. The Lord speaks to Philip in Acts 8 and directs him to go to a road going south and basically to wait there until uh, a chariot goes past with an Ethiopian in it. God sets up a divine appointment. He speaks to Philip and Philip obeys and goes to the place and the person turns up. We see this again and again throughout the book of Acts. Prophecy is simply hearing God's voice and sharing that word with someone else. In John 10, Jesus says, The sheep hear my voice. The sheep hear my voice. The sheep recognise my voice. The sheep know my voice. And so you and I are just simply called to be sheep. That sounds like a pretty low bar to me. We just are called to be sheep and to recognise the voice of the shepherd and respond to that in obedience. I remember there was one time when I was praying one morning uh, and I was just reading through morning prayer, not doing anything other than kind of reading what was on the page. Uh, and, uh, and suddenly the name of somebody popped into my head completely sort of out of the blue, it was a member of the congregation and I thought, oh, that's a bit weird Where, you know, what happened there, was, was that you God or, or what was going on, and I wasn't quite sure whether God had spoken that or drawn my attention to this person's name uh, and so I decided to go around and visit that person later that day just on the off chance that it may well have been God calling me to respond and sure enough when I came to that person's house they welcomed me at the door and said, oh, I'm really glad to see you. I've got a really important decision to make today and I need to make it by uh, lunchtime. Would you sit down and pray with me? And so I did. I sat down and prayed with this person. They then made their, their decision later that day. God speaks to all of us. And that as his sheep, you and I are simply called to recognise his voice and respond in obedience. So the, only, the last thing I'm going to say very, very quickly, I'm going to talk about this more tonight if you want to hear more, is that if you feel that God has spoken to you, then I'd encourage you to pray it, weigh it, and say it. Pray about it. Is this really you speaking to me, God? Can I be sure that I've heard you speaking? Uh, weigh it. Is it in line with what Scripture is telling me about the nature and character of God and who I am and how his people are to live. Uh, and then I'd encourage you to say it. And just in humility, just speak it out to the person. But don't say, this is the word of the Lord. Because that doesn't give the other person any other opportunity to respond except for, okay, if that's what God said, I must do it. You know, when we receive a, a, a prophecy, our responsibility is to, is to weigh it and pray it ourselves. 
is this really God speaking to me? Is this really something for me? And so if you're giving a prophecy to someone, imagine that it's a gift. You give it in humility and in love. And you say, I think that God might be saying this. Or I think that this verse or this picture might be helpful for you. Please go away, think about it, pray about it, and see whether that is God speaking to you or not. Pray it, weigh it, say it. So my encouragement to you would be this week is ask for that gift of prophecy. Ask for God to speak to you a word to encourage, build up, strengthen another member of the church. Maybe you could text them and say, I wonder if this Bible verse might be encouraging for you this week. I wonder if this picture that I think might be from God might speak to you or might be helpful for you. God is still speaking to us today and as his sheep we're simply called to be obedient and to trust him. So I've gone on way too long. I'm sorry, the children are all back in here. Uh, I think what I'd like to do is just say, let's stand and in worship sing together. And if anyone is feeling like, actually, I'd like to be prayed for to receive gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy, just come to the back uh, and there'll be a few of us there and we'd just love to be able to pray that God would give you that gift today. And if you want to know more about exercising the gift of prophecy, do come along tonight and I'm going to do a bit more teaching and we're going to practice it. Shall we stand and worship?